thanks for listening to The Church at 112, where we gather together to encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, here's today's message. I want to ask you, though, or, or tell you, I guess, I suppose, like a single sheet of paper, like if you had a single sheet of paper out, or, or even if like in your notes, right, you pull out your notes on your phone, it often, it often tests what we know about a subject. Like a single sheet of paper. I, I, I used to get so much, I still get bad test anxiety. Uh, we play trivia on Wednesday nights, and whenever it comes to true, false, I hate them. I just absolutely can't. It's like, what if one word is wrong? The whole thing's wrong. But do they know that if one word is wrong, so like maybe they just messed up, and so like I have this anxiety about true, false in general, but tests, I just don't like them. But a single sheet of paper is where you, your professor, your teacher, I mean, you remember after those days, some of you are teachers, and you remember those days, and you give the test to the kids, and all of a sudden it's like, it's a sheet of paper, and like you can see the wave of emotion flood over them, and you're like, oh, this is going to turn out bad, but I've got my red pen out. You know, you're just excited. Maybe you're not. I'm sadistic, and I would, I would be excited. I love it when friends are like, hey, can you check over my work for me? And I, I get out my red pen, I'm like, I would love to. I would love to. There's a guy named Charles Stanley, famous pastor out of Atlanta, and he he said, I want everybody to get a sheet of, pe- sheet of paper. He said, I want you to write down everything you know about God. Now, for most of us that have been around Christianity for a little while, or most of us who are at least logical, like we could fill up a good bit of that sheet of paper, a blank sheet of paper about God, can't we? We could probably fill up even more, maybe, uh, or just about as, as much about Jesus. But the thing that really got me was when he said, hey, if you get out a sheet of paper and I want you to write down everything you know about the Holy Spirit. It's like, I bet you couldn't fill up a sheet of paper about it. Like, you don't know how big I can write. No, I'm just kidding. Like, when you think about it, how much do we really know about the Holy Spirit? And so that's where we are at C112. I mean, we're going to, today's going to be more of a teaching I struggled with this. I was telling Blake about it yesterday. I was struggling with this. I've been struggling with it all week because of one of the most important things about our faith, understanding the concept of, and, and who the Holy Spirit is. It seems like a lot of churches fight over things related to the Holy Spirit, His presence. And we just sang about His presence or spiritual gifts. or I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things you can fight over. And so it's like, man, I want to preach on this, but I want to teach on this. Because like, I often teach on the things that, we, that I know the least amount about. Or the things that I need to get firmly more in my mind. So today's going to be a little bit more of a teaching. Just a heads up as we continue in this true north. First, I want to tell you what we believe at C112. And then I'm going to share with you Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to look at scriptures uh, affirming what we, what we believe here at C112 about the Holy Spirit. So, here we go. The Holy Spirit, this is what we believe. This is in our statement of beliefs. The Holy Spirit indwells and seals believers upon salvation and also gives spiritual gifts while working to draw men to the Savior, uniting believers and convicting us of sin. Those are all scriptural. Those are all things that you will find. We'll look at that in just a moment. The question as we kind of get going is, who is the Holy Spirit? As we look at who is the Holy Spirit, Jesus gives us 
some answers for it. Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit. Oddly enough, you find the Holy Spirit all throughout the Old Testament. And yet Jesus is the one. He's, there's a discourse. So you can go on and flip to the book of John. We'll be in John chapter 14. He's given us this discourse from John chapter 14 to like 18. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm literally, we're in the upper room. We're having our last supper. You don't know it's the last supper, but it's the last supper because it's the last time I'm going to eat with you unless it's fast food on the way to the cross, which there's no record that he even did that. So it's, this is his last meal. It's like, hey, I want to tell you some really important things. And so John's meticulous and he's recording. Like if you look in your copy of scripture, like I've got red letters for, for days when it comes to John chapters 14 through 18. Other places in scripture, there's some, some, some black words that are, that are, this is describing the event or this is what's going on, but these are the red letters. These are what Jesus, I want to really nail down what we're talking about here is what John is conveying to us. And I love that Jesus knew that we would get buried with everything that's kind of going on with life. We would get bogged down with stress and anxiety or questions or doubts. And so he even teaches us to pray, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Like, give us today what we need for right now. And so here it is. He's in John chapter 14, and he's telling the disciples, you're going to get bogged down in a minute, and I just want to give you what you need for right now. I'm not going to inundate you with a huge theology here. Friends, I'm, I just want you to know just a little bit that you need for today, the daily bread. John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Whether there are 49 other commands of Jesus in the New Testament or whether there's 300, we know that loving God and loving people are two of the hardest things to do. I mess up regularly on loving God and or loving people. And yet Jesus is like, I want you, if you love me, you will keep my commands. These are two really hard things. Jesus knows historically speaking, and you see this in the Old Testament, that people are prone to wander. We are prone to wander and we are prone to, I'm loving God, I'm loving God, I'm loving God, I'm loving God, and like, go dogs. I'm just kidding. No, no one's a Georgia dog fan, right? No one, no one does that here? Okay, good. Or hook them horns. I think I, I, I saw some friends yesterday that were rooting for the horns. Uh, Southern Miss and then Mississippi State. It's like, how do you have more than one team? They're like, oh, you just don't know. You just don't know. But like when it comes to Saturday, Saturdays are lockdown football. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm going back. I'm loving God. I'm loving God. I'm loving God. I'm loving God. Pumpkin spice lattes. You know, like, like we just move. We gravitate. We're prone to wander. It's like we have spiritual ADHD and like we're doing good with God or we're doing good with Jesus. And then all of a sudden you're like, the Disney 23 Expo was this weekend. I was totally following that. I was really surprised that none of my comic book nerd friends on my forum were following it. And so I'm actually the one that's posting all the updates and all the trailers. You're like, what is all that about? I'm not going to explain it to you. You can just look up Disney 23. Point is, we can be doing great with God. We can be doing great with Jesus. And we're prone to wander. And Jesus knew that. He's like, look, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So he knows to love God 
and to keep commands, that's going to be really, really hard to do. We can't do it on our own. If we were able to be good people on our own, we wouldn't need Jesus. There's no way we can be good without God. There's no way we can satisfy God's holy standard. There's no way. So Jesus knows that. So we get into verse 16. He says, So I will ask the Father, and he will give you another. So Jesus is referring to an additional counselor. All theologians agree that the uh, another counselor he's alluding to is he. He's the count. He is a counselor. He's like, there's another person like me that God, the Father, is going to give you. So if you're ever wondering, like, well, James, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Correct, and the word Bible is not in the Bible. But if you're ever wondering, like, where do we find verses about the Trinity? Now, the Trinity is a, a belief that we, as Christians, Protestants specifically, that we, we agree that God is Father, God is Son, and God is Holy Spirit. And there are three in one. It's strange to think about. It blows your mind. But all three are God, and yet all three have distinct roles. And so here's an excellent verse on that. I will ask the Father about another Counselor, Father, Son, and Spirit. We're going to look at that in just a moment. He's like, but I'm going to ask him for another counselor. Now this word here for counselor is, and I'm telling you this today because the other translations for this is kind of inadequate to, to a degree. Sometimes we are so simple with American language or English that we miss out on the depth and the richness. And so this is one of those words, unfortunately, that there's a lot of richness in. So the word there for counselor is paraclete. And he says, I want you to love and I want you to keep my commands. I know that those things are going to be hard for you to do. So I will ask Father God and he's going to give you help. He's going to give you a counselor. He's going to give you someone who's going to help you with that. Well, what are some other ways to, what are some other words for counselor? You could say comforter. I don't know. Do, do any of your Bibles have the word comforter? I'm going to send you a comforter. Counselor is what mine has. Comforter, I love it because that's probably my favorite one. And originally I had written our big idea for today that included the word comforter, that the Holy Spirit is Jesus' comforter for us. But I realized that that word, that's my favorite. Because part of C-112 is we encourage and equip each other into a growing relationship with Jesus. We encourage each other. We comfort one another. But that's kind of inadequate because that's not just the only thing. It's not like the Holy Spirit is just sitting by your side. Oh, good job, James. Good job. Let me pat you on the back, man. Although we need that. We need that. We need that encouragement. You've been in some really hard situations before where you wish that you had someone rooting you on. And the Holy Spirit, He does that. He's our comforter. Another word is counselor there. Now in, in mind here is that the Holy Spirit is our defense attorney, defending us before righteous God. And so our counselor comes in and he's defending us. He's like, well, wait, hold on. Let me show you why, God, this person is innocent. And he starts off with Jesus and goes on, so, so on and so forth. That's probably inac inaccurate. Not inadequate, but inaccurate. Because really, in this spot here, the Holy Spirit would not be a defense counselor, but the prosecuting attorney. He would be the one that's saying, um, I want to prosecute others for you, for God. You're like, well, that's just confusing. Well, yeah. And so then there's another one. 
that he's our advocate. You could say that this word here is advocate. And I will, he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Uh, that one's kind of neat because that means that you have this Holy Spirit that Jesus give, gives part of the Godhead who is now advocating for you to the Father, advocating for you in life, like he is for you. And that's good to know. And then there's another one. This one's really nice. I like this one. That he's our helper. Some scriptures say, some translations say, he will give you another helper. But then that kind of puts the Holy Spirit as if he's kind of like your partner or in like you're in charge. Like you're the one who's, all right, hand me a wrench, Holy Spirit, hand me a wrench. Okay, cool. Now hand me a screwdriver. Why am I using a wrench and a screwdriver at the same time? I don't know because I don't know tools. Holy Spirit, give me a hammer. Like, because if I can't screw it in my hammer, the mess out of it. Like, that makes the Holy Spirit kind of subjective to, to us. We are not in charge. We are not in charge. The Holy Spirit is. He is one of the most three powerful persons ever. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. And darkness, I love these words, formless and empty. And darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. The words there for formless and empty also mean wild and waste. The earth was wild and waste. There was chaos everywhere when it began. Everywhere. And yet, over this wasteland, hovering was the Spirit of God. That word there for spirit, the Spirit of God, is, is a, it's a Hebrew word for I want y'all to try to say this with me. I'm going to say it and then y'all, y'all can repeat it back. Hruach. You'll, you'll kind of roll it, hruach. It sounds like you're hocking up a loogie, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a breathing mechanism, really, ruach. So everyone try to say ruach real fast. All right. Now pretend you're not in sixth grade and like girls and boys like of the opposite sex are looking at you. Like, so who cares? Like ruach. All right, good. A little bit more. I like that. So, uh, I, I like it. The, it's it's, it's ru- literally spirit. This ruach literally means breath or wind. Breath or wind. Which the New Testament version of this word is pneuma, which is where we get the words for pneumatic or uh, uh, new, new, pneumology or pneumonia. Like things dealing with the lungs, things dealing with breath, things dealing with wind. The Bible Project guys, and I'll tell you more about them later. The Bible Project guys, they had a few episodes in 2017 where they talk about the Holy Spirit. They were very fascinating. They have an exercise. I want you to try this out. I want you to put your hand in front of your mouth. I want you to put your hand in front of your mouth. And I want you to speak out that word, ruach. 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 You got it? Did everyone try it? Okay. You can put your hand down. I didn't want you to smell your breath there because I have coffee breath. Like the idea, what, like did you feel something when you spoke out? Did you feel something when you spoke out? Some of our guys with the guttural and with the, with the bass, like especially us, like we, we were feeling that. For, for, some, for some of you that maybe whispered it a little bit, like there was some breath 
there was some wind, like you felt something pressing against it. You couldn't see it, right? But you felt it. This ruach, the Hebrew understanding of this word for spirit, this ruach, is that the ancient Hebrews and the ancient cultures, they understood that there was this breath, there was this wind that moved things, that animated things, that made trees sway back and forth. Like this breath of God was moving things. It's this breath of God that you have this lifeless body that is made out of, out of clay and out of dust. And this lifeless body is breathed into, and all of a sudden it's created, it's animated, it's moved, right? That's how God created Adam. God breathed, he ruached the breath of life, he ruached the ruach into, just kidding, it's a different word, panache. But he, he, he breathed the breath of life into this lifeless body and animated it. Why is all of this important about the Holy Spirit? He moves things. He animates things. He creates things. He causes things to move. Exodus chapter 14. Uh, the Israelites are being chased. I don't know if you've heard the story or maybe watched Joseph, Prince of Egypt, but he's being chased by... No, it was actually the Exodus, wasn't it? Anyway, so he's actually being chased by... It was a good cartoon. By the ancient Egyptians... And they get up to the sea, and they're like, God, you led us to the sea, and we're about to die. And then Scripture tells us that there was an east wind that parted the waters. There was an east ruach. The Spirit of God moved and parted these waters so that the ancient ancient Israelites could move through safely. God was moving on their behalf through the Holy Spirit. So this Spirit of God... This breath of God was hovering over this chaos. And then God did what? Verse 3. God said silently to himself. No, no, no. Like God spoke. And so when you speak and you spoke in front of your hand, you felt something. Something happened. Something moved. Something could be felt. It creates the Spirit of God. When he speaks, breath exits and it creates stuff. You know, the Holy Spirit, he has a few roles. He has several roles, and we'll look at some of those shortly. But he, he creates, he empowers, and he recreates. So we see that he was there in the creation. He was there with creating man, like the Holy Spirit. He was, he's, he's there in creating things. And yet we know that he empowers. There's multiple scriptures in the Old Testament where it says, so-and-so was filled with the Spirit of God. Or the Spirit of the Lord was on this person. And then they were able to do mighty things. You get Samson and he was able to destroy stuff like to, just, to protect his people. And then you get Balaam. Balaam a prophet. And like, so all of a sudden like it says that the Spirit of God came up on Balaam. Numbers chapter 24. 1 Samuel and 2 Chronicles, both 15 and 24, talks about the Spirit of the Lord being on people and empowering them. And even Isaiah 61, probably my favorite Old Testament book, obviously, Like God's talking about the Spirit of God empowering people. And then he recreates. I love it because the Spirit of God, and we read that before we started singing today, the Spirit of God breathed life back into Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead. He recreates. Jesus is the the only piece of the new creation that that is around right now. And that's going to hit you later because... They said that God said that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a new creation. And Jesus is the first part of that new creation. 
The Holy Spirit recreated. He breathed that life back into Jesus. Jesus, that's why we, that's why we have Christianity. We serve a risen Savior. Yes, we serve a, a Savior who is alive again. He was dead and now he's alive again. Well, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit. And we don't talk enough about the Holy Spirit. In churches in general, they just, oh, it's taboo, or we're going to fight, and it's going to lead to this kind of thing. And That's why Paul talks about our recreation, that, that God, uh, that Jesus gives us, takes a heart of stone, and gives, like a dead heart, and gives us a heart of flesh when we trust in Christ. And that comes through the Spirit. And that's why David wrote in Psalm 51, after it, in direct reflection of what he did with Bathsheba, the, um, um, the affair that he had with Bathsheba, David writes a psalm and says, God, create in me a new heart and give me a steadfast spirit. Give me a steadfast ruach. He says, create in me, recreate, make a new, make a new heart in me, God. I'm so sorry about what I did and make me a new person. Psalm 51. So, the Spirit of God, and we're looking at Him. We go back to John 14. That's where we're camping out. John 14. What's the next verse? He is the Spirit of truth. He, the Holy Spirit, is a person. All the references to the Holy Spirit that have pronouns in those sentences or in those scriptures, they're all masculine. And it's... It's, it's indicating more than just the gender that the spirit, the point is the spirit, he is a person. It's not an it. It's not a what. He's a who. He's a who. The Holy Spirit of God is a who. Who is the Holy Spirit? Not what is the Holy Spirit. He's a being capable of a relationship. When you think and understand and know that he is personal and not just a powerful force, when you understand that he's a person, now you realize, oh, there's relationship involved. He's not a force that just starts and stops. He is the spirit of what? Truth. Love and obedience clearly defines our need for an objective faith. So it makes sense that Jesus would send the spirit of truth. He's like, I... I I'm leaving. I've been with you almost every day for three years. And you've relied on me. And Jesus, we can do everything really great. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you're literally right here next to me. But you're going to be gone. And what do we do? And Jesus, I, I'm just going to give you just a little bit of what you need to know right now. But the basis of us is, is the spirit of truth. He's coming. The spirit of truth. He's coming. He's the breath of truth. And it's the same breath that raises Jesus from the dead. I want to answer the question before we get back to the rest of the verse 17. Is like, so how instrumental is the Holy Spirit? Here's a few things you can write down or just take a picture of. He was, he was with God at the beginning, Genesis 1. He was Mary at Christ's earthly conception. That's Matthew chapter 1. He was at Christ's baptism, Matthew chapter 3. The Holy Spirit was there. And that's actually a really good verse for Father, Son, and Spirit. He was at Christ's temptation in Matthew chapter 4. He's the one that actually leads. He's the one that leads Jesus to temptation. He leads him to the desert. He was with Christ at the crucifixion. We find this in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14. And he raised Christ from the dead. You see this at least in a couple spots. Romans 1 and again there Romans chapter 6. Can you understand now? Like these people, these disciples 
are beginning to understand after Christ has died and rose again, they're like, oh, we missed it, man. The Holy Spirit, He was there the entire time. We missed Him the entire time. That's like watching one of those like Disney or, or Pixar or, or Marvel Avenger kind of type movies and you realize that there's a background character there the entire time and then all of a sudden they, they're f- f- featured prominently in one of their big movies or whatever. You're like, oh man, I totally missed that. But this is even better because it's real. That the Holy Spirit of God was there all the time. He's always with us. So we get back to John 14, verse 17. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him and it doesn't know him. Like we, we can't see the Holy Spirit. We can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. We see the trees move. We see how things move in our lives. We see how things are brought, brought to goodness because of what the Holy Spirit does, because of his role, because of his job, what he does. We see... He says, they, they don't see him, they don't know him, but you, you know him. Because why? Because he remains with you and he will be in you. The spirit is breath, he's that ruach, but his presence is felt. When you trust Christ, the spirit's presence will be felt with you. He is in you for a purpose. Verse 26. I don't think I have it in here. Verse 26. So we skip down a little bit. It says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Two things here. So again, he's not giving us a whole theology on the Holy Spirit. He's giving just a little bit. He's like, this is what you need to know for right now because I'm about to leave and you're kind of going to freak out because I'm going to like be flogged and then I'm going to be crucified and then like it's going to blow your mind but I'm going to come back from the dead because of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to tell you a little bit of what you need to know right now. He will teach you all things, and he will remind you of everything I've told you. Wait, what's he going to do? It's easy. He's going to teach you all things, and he's going to remind you of all the stuff that we've ever talked about. That's pretty simple. Like when I pray for my daughter for her tests that she does or does not study for, I tell her, I told her this week, so I told her Thursday night after the football game, she stayed up to midnight studying, and I said, baby, I'm going to tell you right now how I'm going to pray for you with your test tomorrow. She had three. So I'm going to tell you how I'm going to pray, how my Hebrew professor prayed for me. I'm going to pray that you're able to remember everything that you've studied. And like, I hated it when my Hebrew professor said that, because I'm like, oh, crud, I didn't study nothing. <laughs> Double negative, but I, I, I was an English major, I can break all the rules. And um, I don't know. I think she did okay. We'll see. Holy Spirit's like, I will, remember, I will help you remember everything that you've studied. So how does that apply to us? Well, I mean, like, so when you're in Scripture, and I hope you are, even if it's for five minutes, I hope, like, that's five minutes more than you had yesterday. If you're in it for five minutes, and you're like, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. You put that in your heart, and guess what? I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help you remember those things, because he says, and remind you of everything I've told you. So when you put this scripture into you, and you get squeezed, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to help that come out of you. And when you're stressed out and you're like, I don't know, then you'll remember, oh, in Matthew, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough troubles of its own. Or if you're like, oh man, you know, does, does God even care? And you'll, you'll realize that for God so loved the world, 
And you'll be able to remember these things because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to remind us. Spirit testifies about Christ. So we're going to skip down chapter 15. Chapter 15. He's doing a pretty good long discourse. Chapter 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, just to remind you, in case you forgot already because I've talked a lot, the Spirit of truth, again telling you about the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will, guess what? He will testify about me. The Spirit testifies about Jesus. His role is creating, empowering, and recreating. And all of this is because of Jesus. The Spirit of Christ in you encourages you to share about Jesus. Here's an application for you. Do you have trouble sharing about Jesus? If you do, ask the Spirit to help you. Because that's one of His main tasks is to help you point to Jesus. So if you struggle with pointing to Jesus in your life, whether it's pointing Jesus to other people or even pointing Jesus to yourself and being reminded of how great Jesus is, you ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit, help me to do this. And He will, because that's one of His roles. He, He will testify about me. You see it also in chapter 16, verse 14. He says, He, the Holy Spirit, He will glorify me because He will take from what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me. Jesus has a high regard for the Holy Spirit, and we should too. So back to our statement of belief here at C112. Here's what we believe. The Holy Spirit indwells. We see this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Holy Spirit seals us. That's Ephesians 1.13. That's where we kind of get an assurance of salvation there. Like when He seals us. I mean, can you imagine the Spirit... The breath of God hovering over chaotic waters and then God speaks and everything like is created. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. When he seals us, when he seals us, it is impossible to break that seal. Like, I'm going to sin just enough to like lose my salvation. That can't happen. Because the Holy Spirit who did all these things, he seals us. The Holy Spirit says here, he gives spiritual gifts. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12 and some other spots. But 1 Corinthians 12, I love it when I think about the, the spiritual gifts that he gives to us. And you're like, well, what are those? Well, that's a whole sermon series for another time. What does he give to us? Francis Chan and John Piper both have prayed for certain spiritual gifts, and they've been bummed out. It's, in, it's recorded. They're bummed out when God doesn't give them certain spiritual gifts. They're bummed out. They're like, man, I've prayed for this, I've prayed for this, I've prayed for this. It reminds me, when you get a gift from the Spirit, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Get what you get and you don't throw a fit. So what else does he do? He draws men to the Savior. That's John 6, 44. John 6, 44. He unites believers. And there's, Paul's got multiple passages on being, being unified. And then he convicts us of sin. We see that in John 16, uh, verses 8 through 11. What do we do with it all? What do we do with all this that we've learned about the Holy Spirit? Like, is this all there is to know about the Holy Spirit? No, man, He is... Oh, there's so much about Him. There's so much. There was more lists that I thought about putting in here. There's so much about what He does. John chapter 16, we'll close. John 16, verses 12 through 13 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. 
We can't handle it all right now, so we rely on the Spirit of God for what we need right now today. Our true north depends on a reliance on the Holy Spirit. You know, so we ask questions like, well, what do I not know? God, what do I not know? And then we ask the Spirit, show us what we don't know. Show us what we need to know. Well, God, how am I, how am I loving you? Am I loving you adequately, God? Do I need to love you more? Is there, is there a, a blind spot? Is there a, a deficiency? You seek, you seek Scripture, and the Spirit will guide us to all truth. We have this breath of God in us. So let's not waste it. Let's help others see this breath of God too. Let's point other people to this new creation that Jesus wants us to have. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for today. And I thank you for these moments with my friends. God, with those that are listening, that we're able to look to you, God, as our true north. God, we can rely on you. We can rely on your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we can rely on your spirit to remind us of all your truth. But may we seek your truth, and may we point others to Jesus. May this encourage us as we encourage others. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope that it was encouraging for you and that you have a great week. God bless.